So we celebrate this eighth Sunday in an ordinary time. The tabernacle candle and the church burns this week in loving memory of Miranda Brown. The parish office will be closed this Monday and Tuesday in observance of the Mardi Gras holidays. Our new statue of St. Michael the Archangel has been installed outside uh, near the Rosary Garden in place of the previous one. Uh, so we will let you know, uh, we'll let you know and, and post ahead of time when we're go, going to do the official blessing of the statue, but we are grateful that it is here already. And this Wednesday, of course, is, is Ash Wednesday, a day of obligatory fast and abstinence. The guidelines for that can be found on the front page of today's bulletin. Last weekend, I mentioned that I would like to do a, a sort of series of things of uh, basics, right? some of the foundational and fundamental things of our faith. And I would encourage you as you, as you leave a church today to pick up a few things on your way out. Uh, one of them is, uh, you know, uh, with Lent just a few days away, uh, it's, it's the season where we typically, uh, if we're going to do confession at some point during the year, Lent is, is usually the optimal time. Uh, and so uh, I want to uh, make sure everybody has an examination of conscience to be able to, to help assist you in making a good confession. So we've got the, the little purple examination of conscience booklets. If you don't have one already, I encourage you to pick one up as you head out. Uh, there's, also, uh, there's also a little sticker of a morning offering. Uh, got these from the Precious Blood Sisters out of New York. It's a sticker that, uh, that you can, uh, they were always on, our, on our, uh, our mirrors in our rooms at the seminary. And so that was, <laughs> no matter what room you got, there was a sticker on it uh, for the morning offering of the Precious Blood of our Lord. Uh, and so we have those available. Uh, young people, make sure you check with your parents before you stick a sticker on something in the house. They may not like a sticker on the thing that you put it on. So uh, parents, if your kids pick stickers, my apologies and uh, keep an eye on them, I guess. Um, but then also the last thing that I would encourage y'all to pick up is uh, these, little, these little cards. It's a little, it's a little foldable card uh, that can fit in your, in your wallet, fit in your purse, fit in your pocket, fit in, uh, in the little, the little uh, visor part uh, right next to your guardian angel medallion that you likely have in your visor, huh? uh, one of our, our Catholic things that we often keep. Uh, and so it's a little card, and it's one of those, I'm a Catholic, in case of an, in, in the event of an accident, please call a priest. Uh, I would encourage you to be able to put our parish number on there, our parish phone number, uh, or if you have my phone number, feel free to put that on there. I'm 100% okay with that being the case. Uh, and the reality that uh, it would be really great if, if, if you're in an accident and they find this card, then they have to figure out where is a priest, uh, right? And so then they have to, to search to find one, right? Uh, so those will make it nice and easy if they have a phone number to call uh, that will get them directly to us. So in, in advance, uh, so I invite you to pick one up. We have, uh, I think we've got a thousand of these. So make sure every single person, uh, everybody should be able to, to pick one up on your way out. It also has a handy little guide for the method of confession on the back of it as well, uh, as well as a little invitation to confession and a very brief examination of conscience. And so uh, I'd like to, to make these available to each of you uh, to be able to have for yourself. And all of that simply is a lead-up to the point that I would like to be able to preach on today, which is namely, how to make a good confession. Confession is one of those things that, thanks be to God here at St. Agnes, uh, uh, is a, a regularly celebrated thing uh, for many of you. 
It's something that, uh, that is uh, certainly a great joy of mine. Uh, I know Father Hill spoke of it often, uh, just the marvel of, of the lines that we continually have at confession, even at 545 in the mornings on weekdays, every single day there's someone there, there's someone waiting, uh, waiting for the sacrament. And so it's a beautiful thing that we have as a celebration here, regularly observed. Uh, but in case one is not in that current observance, I would encourage you to do so, to be able to, to make a confession part of your spiritual life, part of your regular observance of your spiritual life. And to that end, a couple of points to encourage uh, preparation for the sacrament of confession in advance, right? So we know we, we do our, our immediate preparation when we're about to go to confession, right? So there's things that we do uh, to prepare immediately beforehand, but there are also things that we can do uh, kind of farther out as part of our regular things of daily life uh, that will assist us in this. One is I would encourage each of you to make a nightly examination of conscience. Now, this is something that's built into the night prayer of the church for her priests. It's certainly a laudable, a laudable custom in many places and many individuals and communities have experienced the same, uh, right? At the end of the day, uh, to be able to, to pause for a few minutes, it doesn't have to be a lengthy thing, uh, but to pause just for a few minutes and to reflect back upon the day. Many people have found it helpful to do the three-in-three three method. Find three ways that you cooperated with God and His grace and give thanks to God for the graces that He gave you today. And then to be able to turn back and to find three ways which you fell short, three ways that you sinned in not following our Lord that day, and to be able to ask for his mercy. This is a good way to be able to make an act of contrition at that time, and thus to get the act of contrition to be something that you regularly pray, uh, not something that happens only when one goes to reconciliation. It's also good as a, as a practice, if one takes up this practice, it also actually, it's a very small thing, but small things done uh, faithfully have great impact upon us. And it's this also, that, that as we become aware of our sins, very often it's an invitation for us to do something about them. So as we become aware of something that we did that day, maybe the next day we recognize, I need to apologize to someone for the thing that I did or said. Uh, that I need, to, I need to work on this because I recognize the last three days this, this same particular sin has been coming up on my mind and I need to do something about it, right? And so it's an invitation for us to be able to make those little changes in our lives that otherwise we might easily pass over. So I'd encourage you in a nightly examine. And secondly, the, the, essentially, to, just to get to confession regularly. You know, the church requires it of us once a year, but to be able to go regularly is, is certainly a, a laudable custom, a praiseworthy custom, because one, it keeps us in the rhythm of going to confession regularly. Secondly, it helps us to remember our sins. Uh, so if I, have to, if, I, if I were to go once a year, I would have to think back 11 months and do a, a full assessment of an entire year to kind of see what to bring to the Lord, um, which is certainly a, a difficult task because half the time I can't remember past last week. And so a lot of things can be missed that could be places where God uh, would desire to give healing, uh, but I'm not receiving it. I'm not, I'm not bringing them to him. And then lastly, uh, the gift of indulgences, right? The gaining of plenary indulgences, which I, I regularly encourage you to be mindful of and to attain. Uh, indulgences have also the condition of making sacramental reconciliation within 20 days before or after. So if you go once every, uh, once every month, you're always, uh, it would seem, within that window of continually gaining those graces for yourself and for the souls in purgatory. 
And so those, those are two things that we can do to kind of prepare ourselves uh, in advance for confession, a regular nightly examine and going regularly, possibly even monthly. More to the point of actually making a good confession, of going to confession itself and making sure that it is fruitful for you and not, a, not a, uh, an occasion of kind of difficulty or awkwardness, I'll give you some points here to consider. First, to make a good examination of conscience. If one shows up in a confessional and then begins to think about the things that one needs to confess, we're already kind of behind, behind the ball in that sense. Um, it's good for us to be able to, to, to make an examination of conscience, either, either to, to mentally kind of go over within our mind or to use one of the, one of the booklets or resources that help us to, uh, to kind of think about these things. And very often, the, the examination of conscience booklets, uh, they're not meant to be things by which we can simply beat ourselves up continuously because we go down and we, and we realize how many sins we, we've committed and, and what a terrible human being we are and, and all, these kinds of, all these kinds of things where the devil loves to come and, and just kind of beat us over the head with the things that we have done. Rather, there are ways for us simply to acknowledge our need for God. And the more sins we have, the more it ought to humble us and to be able to recognize just how much we do need Him every single day. And then to be able to turn back to Him in that need to admit our need to Him, to admit our faults, and thus to find some, some grace, some healing, and to be able to draw closer to Him in our relationship with Him, which is the end goal, right? It's the it's sacrament of healing, not just a healing of ourselves so that we feel better about things, but it's a healing of our relationship with God the Father. It's, it's fixing the wounds um, that have been inflicted there on account of our sins and hard-heartedness. And so to make a good examination of conscience is the best starting point, simply to be able to prepare well of what it is you need to bring to the priest. Practically speaking, whenever you get to the confessional, there are a variety of places. Here, uh, here at St. Agnes, of course, we have the, uh, the confessionals themselves. Um, and I would, I would be... Uh, encourage you to be mindful of the fact that whenever you come in, you don't have to speak very loudly. Most people don't have a problem with this. Uh, most people are not, uh, you know, not, they're not trying to let the whole church hear their sins, uh, right? We're usually trying to hide them, kind of say them quietly in uh, a soft voice. Uh, but every now and then some, some will come and, and will speak a little loud, and it's just uh, to remind you that my ear is about eight inches away from your mouth. Uh, so, on the other side of the screen, uh, it's a pretty close distance. You can whisper real, real quiet unless there's something going on in church, uh, playing music or something, I can hear uh, pretty good and clear. And so, just to encourage that, right, uh, just a, a quiet, you don't have, you don't have to whisper, uh, but just a, a quiet voice is certainly helpful. Also, uh, if you speak a, a different language, if you would like to make your confession in Spanish, uh, my, confession, my Spanish abilities uh, uh, to speak are not always that great, um, but certainly that is an option. Uh, and so, you know, there are these, uh, these things. Uh, so if you have some particular request, uh, uh, that if you, would, if you would like absolution in Spanish or in Latin or, uh, you know, would like to make your confession in Spanish, these kinds of things, uh, certainly we can do that. Uh, it would be hard to, to get the signing uh, through, the, through the screen, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll, do what we can, we'll do what we can do, maybe perhaps in the office. Huh? Um, but indeed, to, to be able to, to come and to express these things before one would make their confession. And then you simply begin, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been a month since my last confession, and these are my sins. 
So we do that. Uh, so sometimes we'll make the sign of the cross at the beginning. Usually someone comes in the confessional. I'll do that simply on my end as a way of kind of letting them know that I'm still there. If I don't say something, sometimes people will have a, a long pause and wonder, are you there, Father? Yes, I'm here. I didn't escape out of the secret hatch yet. So, uh, so we're still here, still waiting. Right? Uh, and so, uh, but it's, you know, it is uh, technically the sacrament begins with, with the words of the penitent uh, beginning, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Right? It's helpful to mention the length of time, uh, simply this, just uh, for the priest to be able to understand kind of what's, the, what's the, the frequency of the individual's confession. If someone comes to confession and it's been 25 years and they said, you know, a couple of things and it was pretty, you know, pretty, pretty low-key, you know, I got, got upset at a couple of people. Um, in 20 years, then, then we might as well go ahead and get our canonization papers ready, right, because I'm impressed. Um, on the other end of things, if someone comes and says, it's been two days since my last confession, and then proceeds to give me a list of 45 sins, I know that's a different soul who is there, right? There's something else that I need to respond in a different way. So the length is, is certainly kind of a helpful thing for the priest to be able to understand and to kind of put some of the pieces of the puzzle together for the individual. Also, is to recognize that these are my sins, right? These are not the sins of other th others. These are not the things that other people did uh, that we need to just kind of get off of our chest, right? It's for us to be able to bring my sins, the things that I myself have done, and also that they are my sins. Sometimes uh, individuals will come and express that they, had, uh, that they were tempted against something. They were tempted to anger. Temptation is not a sin. Temptation is the place where we are tested and whether we choose our virtue or whether we choose vice. It's the thing that we do if we choose vice, it's that that we bring to the Lord in confession. Simply being tested in certain ways is normal. Our Lord was tested, but he was never, he never sinned, right? He was tempted in the devil, by the devil um, three times out there in the desert, but he did not sin, right? And so our temptations are not things that necessarily need to be brought forward. It's if we fall to those temptations, if we give in to them, Continuing, whenever you get in, so these are, right, these are my sins, right? And so then you simply begin to list your sins. Mortal sins are required to be confessed in kind and in number. So what you did exactly and uh, how many times it had been done. If it's been a, if it's been a while and you're since your last confession, it's been, if it's been some number of years and you, and you can't, uh, can't remember how many uh, exactly uh, times that you committed a particular sin, and then it's helpful just to kind of give a ballpark idea, you know, 10 times, 50 times, 100 times, you know, kind of ballpark figures certainly at least are helpful uh, as best as we can manage. Uh, also, to be able to, to recognize this, uh, that venial sins are not required to be confessed, but certainly it can be helpful to confess them because the priest is a doctor of the soul, right? He's supposed to be a physician of the soul. And as such, uh, there are things that, that simply by virtue of being a regular practitioner uh, in the confessional, as well as one who knows his own soul and studies the spiritual life, that there are things that sometimes uh, you may not think about, but as you start to present some of the venial sins uh, that are present in your life, the priest may be able to see something or understand something uh, that you're not aware of and to be able to draw your attention of, have you noticed, all right, or did you recognize that these things, you know, all kind of come together to this particular point, right? And so sometimes we may not always, may not always see it, but that's part of the, part of the value of, of bringing venial sin, is it can provide an opportunity uh, for healing or finding some remedy uh, for the larger, the larger picture of things. 
as well. It's simply good to be able to bring some of this, especially if there's something that troubles your soul that's not mortal sin, uh, but it's just something that really is troubling you, uh, something that you, that you need God's grace uh, to be able to, to assist you with. This is a good thing to be able to bring it to the priest. A few other things. Do not be afraid to say your sins. I know there's a temptation sometimes to, uh, to hold back because you don't, you don't know what the priest is going to think. Uh, if, if the priest knows you don't know what he's going, to, going then to, to think about you, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, I don't hear it so much these days, but sometimes there's a concern that the priest will, then he will, he will go and, and kind of tell the sins of a particular individual as if it's kind of our, our priestly shop talk. You know, what kind of sins did you get today? Right? Uh, it's, it's not a thing that priests do. And so it's this, this fact there um, that to simply uh, to be willing to say whatever it is that one has done is the evil one who loves to convince us of some reason not to say things, maybe to, to, to encourage that fear within us, uh, and so we would hold something back. And just to be clear, if there is something that is grave, uh, grave sin, mortal sin, that we intentionally hold back, that we intentionally do not say, our confession is null and void on the spot. It does not count because we were not willing to receive the Lord's mercy. And the Lord cannot forgive that which we are not willing to be sorry for. And so that's a, an important piece. If there's something that's, that's of, of, of grave nature, of serious nature, uh, to make sure that you bring it forward. Um, if, you, if, you, if you forget about it, if in the midst of, of naming all the things you, you accidentally forget, certainly then you know, the Lord understands these things. He knows us in our humanity and shows us mercy, but indeed, to, to be able to, to do so uh, intentionally uh, is uh, to nullify the sacrament itself. In saying one's sins, it is good simply to be honest, right? Not to, not to try to make an assessment of things ourselves, not to kind of judge ourselves or, or kind of paint it nicely so that, you know, we, we present our, our sins in a sort of sugar-coated fashion. Uh, it's good to be brief, so as not to, uh, not to simply kind of paint all the background story, uh, simply to arrive at a single point that, that one was jealous, right? And so, uh, and so simply to be able to, to be brief about uh, the things that one has done. Also to be clear about the sins. Sometimes an individual will come and say something to the effect of, I've done something that I should not have done. Okay, we call that sin. What was the sin, right? To be able to, to, to say something I shouldn't have done depends on the, the age of the person, but there's a whole lot of things one shouldn't do. One, you know, one, one you know, shouldn't have negative thoughts towards another person. One shouldn't kill another person, right? One shouldn't do all kinds of things, right? And so to be able to say the thing we shouldn't have done, right, that's certainly helpful. This also is good in clarity whenever one, uh, again, sometimes, uh, I don't know if it's an intentional thing or just kind of how we were, how we were kind of raised in the faith, but when one comes and says something to the effect of, I sinned against the Sixth Commandment, there's good to have a bit more information to know exactly what that means. You know, the Sixth Commandment is, right, thou shalt not commit adultery. So if one sins against the Sixth Commandment and doesn't leave anything further, the priest has a whole variety of options of what he could take that to mean. It could mean that one had lustful thoughts and entertained them for a few moments. It can mean that one had viewed pornography on the internet, or it can mean that one actually committed adultery with another person. These are all entirely different things that respond and can require a different medicine, if you will, for the soul. 
And so it's good to, to be able to simply to be clear. We don't, have, we don't have to be graphic about things. We don't have to, to give great detail, but simply to be clear and straightforward. At that point, the, the examination of conscience, the little booklet, is a very helpful thing. It's, it's usually pretty concise and just factual, straightforward in a lot of these things. And also, if you, uh, if you come and profess or, or confess that you used a profanity, you need not tell me the words that you said that were profane. This also will, from time to time, come up. Uh, individual will begin to say, I, I said this and this and this and this and this, and you're like, and you just said it again in church to the priest, all right? So obviously there's a problem here, right? Um, and so, you know, we can say we used profanity, right? So it's a, a, nice, a, nice, uh, a nice way of kind of uh, generalizing things, uh, in a sense, where at least the priest is able to understand rather than kind of go, ooh, didn't expect to hear that one today. So the reality, uh, again, in all of these things, is simply to, to be honest, to be clear, and to be brief uh, as one comes forward to confess one's sins. Also, if you don't know that something is a sin, or if you have a question about it, it's good to ask. It's, it can certainly be helpful to, to say, I, you know, I, I'm not sure if this is a sin, but you know, to be able to bring it forward. And then oftentimes the priest will kind of will give some sort of counsel uh, as, yeah, that's, you know, that, that, that is sin, it's, it's venial sin, it seems, or, or yeah, that would be sin, it would be, no, it would be mortal in nature, or, you know, it's an imperfection, you know, it's a, not a sin, but certainly something you could work on uh, a little bit here and there uh, with God's grace and time. And so, uh, again, just to be clear about all of these things. And at the end of confessing one's sins, it's helpful to say something to the effect of, for these and for all of my sins, I'm heartily sorry, or for these and all the sins of my past life, or for these and all the sins I cannot now recall. Any of those kind of things is the, the kind of catch-all basin of, of all the rest of the things is simultaneously a, a recognition of our, of our repentance for, for, for all of our sins, right? not just for the ones we've said, but for all of them. But also, it's a, a nice kind of uh, audible cue to the priest that you're done, right? If, if, you, if one goes down their list of confession, uh, makes the list of their sins, and then, and then stops, uh, I usually allow a generous pause uh, because I, I presume that they're trying to think of anything else because we all know that whenever you get in the confessional, sometimes your mind goes blank, and you, have to, you start to think of things even after you're done, right? Uh, and so I usually kind of allow a pause, and if it's a long enough pause, I'll say, are there anything else, right? Is, is that all, right? And so it's good once you, once you are aware that you've completed the list of things that you need to say, to give some kind of cue uh, to that effect uh, for these and all of my sins, right? The priest will then give typically some sort of counsel or a penance. It was uh, important to be able to, uh, to listen to the counsel, right? Uh, the counsel is for your sake. Uh, when I go to the doctor and he tells me that I need to exercise more and eat better, it's not because he needs to say that. It's not because he needs to do that. It's because I need to do that. So if the priest is telling you something in confession, it's not because he just wants to talk to himself and say good things that sound nice and he gets a bonus if he says the right things, right? Uh, the reality is that whatever is said in the confessional is, is for the person who is there at that moment to be able to receive our Lord's grace and his mercy. And so the, the counsel is for you, and thus the penances as well, of course. And it's to make sure that you understand these things. If the, if the priest gives you a penance and you don't, if you don't hear them, um, tell them. Right? If the priest uh, continues and, and neglects to give you a penance at all, ask for one. Father, what was my penance again? 
right? And if he gives you a penance that you cannot do, or you cannot, uh, you don't understand exactly what that means, it's good to be clear and to tell him, I don't understand exactly what you mean, or I don't think that I can do that. Can you give me a different penance? Right? These are things that are permissible in the church. If the priest tells you he needs you to, uh, to be able to go and, and, and fast, you know, do a, a, bread, uh, a bread and water fast uh, tomorrow, uh, but, you're, but you have celiac disease, that's obviously not going to work for you, right? Uh, so, and, you know, I need a different one, Father. We need something different, right? Uh, and so if it's something that's, that's legitimately uh, not attainable for you to do, uh, then it's good to be able to say so rather than just to say okay and then not to do it, right? So it would be better to get an alternative penance. Again, oftentimes, uh, when the priest is giving counsel, your brain is still running. Uh, so if you remember something when the priest, uh, if you remember another sin or two while the priest is giving you counsel, uh, feel free to tell him that after he's done uh, giving you counsel or penance. Uh, he may tweak or change something if needed, uh, but typically we'll, we'll simply kind of acknowledge it and, and continue on. After this, we make an act of contrition. And I would encourage you uh, to memorize an act of contrition. Uh, to memorize one that, that you actually um, can mean the words. Um, and this is an important piece because we can, we can, we can recite the words, but it's a different thing whenever we, whenever we are able to say it from our heart and to mean the words that we say. And to that end also, I would encourage um, intentionally saying the act of contrition slowly, not to drag it out, not to make it a, a long, arduous task, uh, but to say it slowly, but really just simply to say it intentionally. Sometimes the act of contrition, like so many of our Catholic prayers, can become an uh, rote, right? That's a rote thing in our mind, something we, we memorize. Um, and so it can become something that, that we say very, very quickly. Um, and when that's the case, uh, it can very easily happen that, that, that our, our contrition um, may not be quite as, as strong uh, as, as, as it could be. And also, and simply uh, the fact that sometimes the act of contrition, uh, that because we memorize our prayers, uh, sometimes it will happen that an individual will go to confession, make their act of contrition, and then as they're saying the act of contrition, they'll leave out a line. And then the next time they go to confession, they leave it out again. And then they leave it out again. And that becomes a revised act of contrition uh, that will say things that miss, uh, miss an important part of the act of contrition or sometimes we'll say something that's actually the exact opposite of what the act of contrition is for. Sometimes the word no will be left out in the act of contrition. I firmly resolve to sin more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. If you're resolving to sin more, we miss something, right? Sometimes people will get the, the heaven and hell mixed up if that's their preferred one. I fear the loss of hell in the, in the, in the fires of heaven. Nope. We miss that one too, right? And so you know, when we're firing through it rather quickly, sometimes we can, we can get words mixed up that actually fundamentally change what it is that we're saying. So it's good to be able to, to memorize it, to make sure the words that we're saying actually mean uh, what we intend for them to mean, uh, and then to be able to, to allow that to, to be able to come forth from our heart in a genuine way. Uh, I'm reminded of, of, uh, of parents uh, likely my own, uh, whenever a child does something wrong and, you know, say you're sorry, I'm sorry. Say it you're like you mean it, right? I'm sorry. 
So we have to be more intentional about it. So in a similar way in our confessional, uh, I don't want to say it to people, but I kind of sometimes think, say it like you mean it, right? To, 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 to mean the things that we say whenever we are apologizing to our blessed Lord and asking for his mercy. Also to recognize that the act of contrition typically will include something about the near occasion of sin. And this is a kind of a secondary thing, um, that in going to confession, uh, it, it means that we are necessarily uh, s- turning away from our sin. We're, we're saying we don't, we don't want to sin anymore. Uh, and so uh, to that end, uh, also, uh, the near occasion of sin, if we keep finding ourselves in the near occasion of sin, maybe we should get rid of that near occasion of sin somehow. If you find that, that one sins uh, continuously with a particular, uh, by, by being in a particular company, uh, by, by you know, being in a particular place or time or situation, then it's a good thing to be able to say, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. Or maybe I need to get rid of that thing. Or maybe I need to not be around those people so much. Right? And so it's these things that can be opportunities for us uh, to be able to, to have those resolutions to change something about ourselves, to change something about our life. Uh, that confession does indeed call us to, calls us to this conversion. And lastly, to make sure that you receive absolution. It's not a, it's not a regular thing, but there has been a few occasions where an individual has come to, come to confession and I have, resolved their, I have absolved their backside because they made the act of contrition and got up and started to walk right on out. And so you just do the abbreviated form. I absolve you from your sins and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Because they, you know, they, they kind of got up and left. The, the reality is that confession, the sacrament of confession, does not happen simply by walking into that confessional and saying your sins and having contrition. That's equivalent to going into your bedroom and saying your sins and acting and thinking that God forgives just the same, right? That, that would be fundamentally the same thing. The thing that is the difference is the priest absolving you, right? That's, the, that's why God gave, that's why our Lord gave the, the keys to Peter. That's why I give the authority to the church is for the priest to be able to absolve one from one's sins. And so it's important uh, at the end of one's act of contrition to be able to wait, to be able to, to receive the absolution from the priest. And at the end, uh, I know Father Hill uh, was, uh, was frequently, there are several different options of concluding the rite of, of confession. And so Father Hill would do give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Uh, my, my standard is, uh, the Lord has freed you from your sins, go in peace. Uh, to Father Hills, there was the response, uh, for his mercy endures forever, right? Uh, to the one that I use, the response is, thanks be to God. Uh, sometimes I'll get the, you know, get the, you know the, the Lord has freed you from your sins, go in peace, for his mercy endures forever. It's true. I'm not going to dispute the point, right? Uh, but the, in the end result... And his, um, the response, uh, if you're with me at least, uh, is that. Uh, and so different places, different priests will use different things. So just a reminder, there's different formulas. Uh, and so if uh, whatever happens, uh, whatever, <laughs> if you don't know all the different formulas, just say thanks be to God. And it kind of covers all the bases and, it's, and it all is well and good. And so, again, this is... Uh, all of you probably could have gone to confession on this time uh, that it's taken just to be able to say how to make a good confession, right? Uh, but as, as much as kind of going into some of these things, uh, maybe things that uh, maybe you don't need to hear, maybe it's things that are helpful to hear. I don't know uh, each of you and, and your own uh, engagement uh, in these things. But uh, my end result is, is simply to encourage you, uh, each and every one of you, to be able to, uh, to acknowledge your sins before the Lord. This is the reason that our Lord took on flesh. 
It's the reason he died on the cross. It's the reason that he has ascended into the heavens and continues to intercede for us before the Father. is to remove our sins from us and so as to gain us for heaven, to gain us for the Father's house and to the heavenly marriage feast that awaits. It's the entire reason he came. And it's the reason we're here. And so I would encourage you to make use of the sacrament of reconciliation. If it's been a while, it's time. Come and encounter our Lord in his mercy and his goodness. And each of us, may God grant us the grace to acknowledge our sins, to repent of them, especially during this Lenten season, to find healing and peace that our Lord desires for each of us, and to rejoice in the kingdom one day where the Lord is called.